Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your host, Big Waz, aka Wazney Lambray, joined as always by my partner out there on the west side of the west side. This man lives on the coast, y'all. He could walk to the beach barefoot if he wanted to. Nando, Nando Vila, what's happening, my brother? Not much, man. Got a new place, moved. This is my new place. Oh, wow. Congrats, bro. Congrats. I, and I know you got a deal because in the pandemic, they're giving spots away out here in LA, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> no, I'm paying basically the same I paid in the last place, but for a two-bedroom. So Wow. Nice. Congrats. That's awesome. Happy for you. Um, on today's yeah. show, President Trump seems to be pretty desperate. He's trying to get a stimulus bill through. He's making appeals to Nancy Pelosi. We'll tell you the status of that because it's the stimulus report, y'all. We need that. Uh, two ballot initiatives 
in California, we're going to highlight today Prop 15. It's a property tax, corporate property tax uh, ballot initiative that's very, very important. We'll tell you why, and we'll also tell you why the neoliberalistic class of the Dems are trying to fuck us again. But first, probably the most popular or or that the one that's gotten the most press ballot initiative of anything has been Prop 22 for good enough reasons because this is a huge domino. If this thing falls, uh, Uber and Lyft's essentially their entire business model is either going to be done or they're going to have to re- rejigger some things. But Prop 22 is on the ballot. Uber and Lyft have poured hundreds of millions. This is not hyperbole. This is not just me saying that number. They yeah. poured hundreds of millions. Latest estimates have it at about $200 million that they've poured into propaganda and advertisements telling Californians to vote yes on Prop 22. Uh, essentially, what they're trying to do is exempt themselves from a law that was passed in the state of California that these gig economy jobs like Uber, like Lyft, like DoorDash, et cetera, et cetera, have to treat the people who work for them as normal employees. Essentially, you have to like things like, you know, abiding by a minimum wage. <laughs> like you have to pay these guys a minimum wage. You have to give them a uh, bennies if they work a certain amount of hours. Uh, you have to treat these people like workers who have rights. You have to treat these jobs as meaningful work. Right. Not some little job that you can slough off, not some, you know, not treat them like cogs in a machine that allows you to have a, uh, you know, a market valuation, which, you know, the, the people who watch this show are smart enough to know this. But a market evaluation for a company that hasn't sold or isn't actually for sale is a meaningless number. Like it doesn't really actually mean anything in real terms, like for Uber to be valued at, say, 10 billion rather than 55 billion doesn't actually mean anything specifically for a company that doesn't make money. (laughs) You know, like this isn't an actual business. (laughs) So it's, you know, it's the stuff that the type of shit that you see on CNBC and, you know, when you see the capitalist class go on there and talk about shareholder grumblings and misgivings and, you know, market caps and all of that shit. It's all mumbo jumbo. It's not meaning. It's not meaningful in any sense of the word to your average person. It's meaningful to probably about what 20 people in the company of Uber, <laughs> like 20 people out, out of a worker base of literally million, tens of millions, right. Or millions of people. And so, um, so yeah, they, they basically, they put this thing. What happened was California passed this law. Uber threatened to strike, uh, which I, I want Nando to get into because it was the rare capitalist strike where they basically threatened to cut off all services and goods from of Uber and Lyft. Like, it's just not going to be available to, to the people if this law is, you know, basically runs its course. And a judge, some idiot judge granted them a stay of this law and has allowed them to operate business as usual in the meantime um, and basically put it on the voters of California. They put it on the ballot. And so that was essentially the compromise. Now, what Uber has come back with 
they said if you vote yes, they're going to offer benefits. They haven't specified what those benefits mm-hmm. are. They said they're going to guarantee wages. They haven't said what that wage guarantee is going to be. Um, they claim that they're saving millions of jobs. And I want to get it. And, and it's important to talk about the framing of this stuff because the framing is always the same, right? What you'll hear certain capitalists and um, capitalist-leaning economists what they'll always say before the pandemic, we have record lows in unemployment, right? They'll never talk about record lows in union membership, which, and, you know, union membership on this show, guys, is a proxy for what I call meaningful work, which is basically means you have benefits, you have a pension, um, you get raises, you get paid sick leave, paid time off, you get all of the things that people enjoy at a real freaking job. They never, whenever they're framing these arguments about record low unemployment, they never talk about the kinds of employment that people actually have, right? Like Walmart, people they, people had to fight tooth and nail for Walmart. One of the hit, richest countries, excuse me, companies in the history of this nation, Tooth and nail for Walmart to give just the basic bare benefits and necessities to their workers, right? And that's Walmart. Walmart. (laughs) This company is rich as hell. And they don't even want to give their employees the basic, most basic of benefits. And so it always gets framed the exact same way. Uh, Uber Uber and Lyft... And their lobbyists are framed, and their cronies, and we'll get into some of their cronies as well, Nando. Uh, they're framing it as if we have to do this, they're threatening that millions of people are going to lose work. What they don't tell you is that if this goes through, millions of people will now have a real job, a real job, bro. They won't be at the mercy of these pricks anymore. Um, and so that's what's on the ballot in California. I think it, and I, I thought it was important that we talk about it today, Nando, because it's illustrative of our current sort of, um, state, like of the country of employment in this country. It's like, yeah, you can get a job working in Lyft, but you're not going, it's, but it's not a real job. Yeah. It's something like 90% of the new jobs created since the Great Recession, since the financial crisis in 2008, have been these kind of temp, uh, independent contractor type jobs in which, like you said, you don't get benefits, you don't get anything. You get, quote unquote, flexibility, but you have (laughs) no stability, no uh, knowledge as to how much money you're going to get in every month. You have no, obviously, no healthcare benefits, and in this country, if you don't have healthcare benefits through your employer, you're going to get either shitty Obamacare, yeah, yeah, or or you're just straight up uninsured. Um, so yeah, and you know the, the, what's important to understand is that Uber and Lyft, which all of us use, everyone uses, is been hugely popular from a consumer standpoint. For the most part, I mean, there's always been, there's always like nightmare stories of like, you know, and we need to, and you and we'll get into why it's popular. It's yeah. cheap, and why it's cheap. Yeah. So, uh, but Uber and Uber doesn't make any money. In fact, they lose billions of dollars a year. Billions. They lose billions of dollars a quarter. It's a shocking amount of money that they lose every single quarter. They're sustained by investors who assume that they're going to basically eventually turn a huge profit because they're so popular. 
their big innovation was not a technological one. It wasn't like they invented some new technology. All the technology was there. They don't even have a particularly innovative, um, you know, business model or anything like that. Their only innovation is to basically set up this scenario in which they can reclassify workers from regular employees to independent contractors, which means that they don't have to they're not on the hook for them in any way. They can fire them whenever they want. They can do whatever they want with them. They don't. They don't have. They're. They're not responsible for them in any way, shape, or form. And this is the cornerstone of the model, right? If Uber can basically, quote unquote, employ tens of millions of people all around the world because it's kind of like this voluntary situation in which you work here and there, and and you don't have um, any sort of stability or knowledge as to what you're actually going to get paid in any given day or any given week. It all depends on what happens that day. Um, so what California did about a year ago is they passed a law called AB5 in which they said, like, no, you can't do that. If someone's working for you, they're a worker, you know, and if they're a worker, they're entitled to certain rights, benefits and protections. And you just can't just like call them something else and not give them those things. You just can't do that. Um, and Uber and Lyft were like, uh, go fuck yourself. We're just not going to do that. And they just literally ignored the law. They flagrantly ignored the law, you know, so they went to court. Um, and then a judge said, no, this is a law. You have to follow it. You can't just not follow the law if you don't want to. So then Uber was like, oh, you're going to make me follow the law? I'm going to do a capital strike. Basically means I'm going to shut down. I'm just going to be like, yeah, all those millions of people that we employ crappily are going to be out of work overnight, you know, just like from one day to the next. Millions of people who work for Uber are just going to be on the street um, with nothing to do. Um, so then, of course, the politicians and the judicial system panicked, and they gave them this stay of execution, um, uh, like you said, allowing the, the voters to vote. This law, if it passed, Proposition 22, would exempt the, these companies, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, all these kind of companies, from this law that doesn't allow companies to just classify workers as independent contractors. And to overturn that law, like if it were to pass, part of the law says that if, if this is ever to be overturned, it needs a seven-eighth majority in both chambers of the state legislature. <laughs> Basically, almost impossible. unanimous. So impossible. So it'll be enshrined forever. If this happens on November 3rd, if Proposition 22 passes on November 3rd, it will be the law of the land forever. Like it'll be literally impossible to overturn it. Um, and it's it's hard to overstate just how important this is because this is the wave of the future. Is companies just basically not employing people, basically employing these people as temp gig workers? Like they don't they companies hate having workers. They need workers because they need people to do the work, but they hate having to deal with unions and with benefits and with paying people minimum wage and with like you know anti discrimination laws and with dealing with all that shit. They don't want to deal with. They don't want workers. So that's what all these companies of the future are doing. Is they're just basically having these kind of gig workers, which they they brand as like, look at all the flexibility you have. You can work all the hours or as little as you want. And what in reality is like that. That is just an inc incredibly precarious way to live. You don't have any stability. You don't have any job security. You don't. You can't plan for the future because you don't know what's going to happen a week from today. It could. It could be anything. So. So yeah, it's it's just crucially important that people, uh, especially if you're in California, I mean, you're probably getting bombarded with ads, like bombarded with ads, um, pro propaganda uh, for 
Prop 22. Dude, if you open your Uber app, it's Prop 22 the whole way oh, yeah. through. It's all they yeah. even and, talk and, about on, on you. And app. here's a rule of thumb for anyone who is looking <laughs> uh, to decide anything politically. If big companies are behind are a law, for it? Yeah, you should you probably know you're be against, against it. it. 99 because, okay. times out of 100. <laughs> because again, like, what people, how people need to think about this is that Nobody starts a company like Uber with the goal being we want to create dope jobs for American people. That is never the stated goal no. of any company. It's never in like, you know, what what the board talks about. It's never like, man, is, are these good jobs? Are we giving our people quality of work? Are we like helping people live like dignified lives with the jobs that we um, provide for them? No, that's never a consideration. And the reason why is because it's antithetical to a profit based you know sort of objective it's like yeah. no 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 like all the stuff that would make this job a great job would cost us yeah not that not that we couldn't make money at all not that we'd make no money at all not that we wouldn't make a dope amount of money it's that we wouldn't be making the maximum amount of money possible yeah and that's that's sort of the attitude they take towards every single policy, right? And so you need to understand that when the CEO, who's basically like Uber has a sugar daddy in, you know, a Saudi investment fund, which we know the Saudis are richer than God. They they can subsidize this forever. And, and I've talked about this in the past with people where I'm just like, yo, like Uber's a sham. Like it's it's a sham that we like it because it's cheap, but it's not actually sustainable. Yeah. Either they're gonna have to get rid of drivers or just not pay them altogether. Yeah. Like or pay them something ridiculously minuscule and small. Cause like the cost of the service is what it is. Yeah. Right? Like it costs this much to have a car, costs this much for gas. Like it costs it like it costs as much for maintenance. Like it, like <laughs> the cost of the service is what it is. Like the idea that this shit could stay cheap under this current model doesn't make any sense. Like obviously what they wanted to do at first was get a bunch of people on Uber, then deliver autonomous driving. And so it's like, all right, all the people that made this company what it is and great and made people love it, we get to now get rid of them for robots. That's what they thought they were going to do. Yeah. I think they've learned that this autonomous driving shit is is completely out of the question and is you know like we are nowhere anytime near soon yeah anytime soon that happening so of course you see them shifting to something else it's like all right let's find a way to pay these people absolutely nothing that's yeah. that's the new model like it, it that yeah. because because what they won't do is they don't want to transfer the cost to us because they think people are going to be like, fuck, I'm not as addicted to this as I once was because it's not as cheap and cost effective. I'm going to come up with other ways to get around. Yeah. Um, they've now said, nah, they we want to keep they, these people if they, on the If they manage to kill all the taxis. Right. Once right. they get the tax, once they get rid of the taxis in the major cities, then they can raise prices. Right. Because we have no other choices. Right. Um, and, and, and again, this is this is just how capitalism works, bro. Like it, it's not about like this idea that like, well, the market will solve anything and you have to be a good business to stay afloat. And blah, this company has lost 30 billion dollars in 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a loser. It's not a good company. It's not a great business, but it has a valuation of $55 million. How do you square Billion. those two things? Billion. Billion, excuse me. Billion. Like, how do you square those two things? It's a sham. Yeah. It's just a sham. Investors understand that they're going to get a dominant market position and then raise prices somehow. Either raise prices or lower worker costs. One of the two. Once they establish right. market dominance is, is the is the bet that investors are making. That's why they're valued so high. So, yeah. So, and fuck, so fuck Uber. Fuck all these people. Like, you know, it's it's fundamentally speaking, the re- it's like it cuts at the core of like the relationship between employer and employee, which is yep. being redefined in America in front of our eyes and for the worse for the worker. Like, I mean, we are losing 100 uh, percent, you know, that th- this this gig revolution is just been an absolute disaster for the vast majority of workers. We have to fight it somehow. And this is prop 22 is like at the heart of this. Yeah. And again, it's, 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 it's the type of thing that's right up our alley in on this show, because like Nando pointed out, the capitalists have made a bet that, all right, there's only two ways for for things to happen on behalf of us. Our government, who's allegedly working on our behalf, gets it done the way California tried to get it done, or we organize. Mm-hmm. And Uber's like, we're going to take on the government because we know they, they're not going to organize. That's the bet that they've made. Like, we know they're not going to organize. Um, and so it is what it is. And so, yeah, if you live in the state of California, vote no on this fucking thing, please, for the yeah. love of God, yeah. vote no. Um, next up, we have another ballot initiative, Prop 15. Yep. Which, like we said, Nando, at the top of the show, is a corporate tax hike. Corporate property tax hike. Yeah. This would go to funding stuff like, you know, just little things like schools. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just funding like public works and, you know, going about making people's lives materially better right now in the state of California because of basically a tax loophole that was formed in 1978, oh, yeah. I believe. I can, just, um, I can provide the context on that because it's a fascinating Yes, story. please provide the context, Nando. But essentially what it is is that you get to pay property taxes based on what your property was worth when you bought it, mm-hmm. not what it's worth in current day. Not that you don't get to extract all kinds of crazy value out of, you know, what your property is worth now. You get to, man, you get to do so many shit yeah. when you use that type what that type of asset as collateral. There's so many things you get to do. You get to extract all that value on the back end while never having to pay into it on the front end, which is, again, this is how the system is designed to work. These guys get all the breaks. They get all the cuts. They get all the loopholes. And the little guys like me and you, we just get fucked. We just get our shit extracted right from the check. Wow, give yeah. me that. Um, and so, Nando, please provide the context around Prop 15. So in 1978, there was something called Prop 13, which passed in California. And it's probably the most important law in the history of California. It's one of the most important laws in America. Um, it kind of ushered in the Reagan tax revolt, the anti-tax 
kind of mood that happened in the in the country in the in the 1980s. It really started with Proposition 13 in California in 1978, and the context of it is is really interesting because it it. It, it was driven by a legitimate grievance that many people legitimately had, which is that California grew so much on basically cheap federal government housing projects in after World War II. Um, like the millions of American GIs that came back, no black people, obviously, but the millions of American GIs that came back <laughs> after the war were given like these like little bungalows in Santa Monica and, you know, in Culver City and stuff that were basically built by the government and basically given to them with like nothing down and like, you know, no money down and like a low kind of um, monthly payment, like a very kind of sweetheart loan from the federal government. And so, but California is like this amazing place. It's like on the coast, it's got great weather. So it very quickly kind of fueled this rush towards California um, after World War II of millions of people coming in and places like Santa Monica that were near the beach and beautiful and stuff like that were, uh, the, the, the demand for houses there went up like tremendously. Whereas, but the people that were living in those houses, which were basically given to them, weren't necessarily rich. And so, but the, but the value of their houses was going up. Um, so th if they didn't have income coming in, their, their taxes based on the value of the house was like really high. So you saw like, you know, middle class people, lower middle class people paying like absurd amounts in property tax. And that was like a legitimate grievance that many people had. Um, and it was a legitimate problem. And there was probably ways to fix it. But there's this guy named Howard Jarvis, who is this like, kooky libertarian type who started a campaign in the 1970s to basically destroy California's tax system. And he few and he rode the wave of anger by that regular people had um, because of this like like weird tax issue, um, basically passed Prop 13, which said that the taxes on your house were on the purchase price, not the real value, um, and that that was capped at an increase of, uh, of like, you know, 2% of inflation or something absurdly low like that, and, um, and, to over, and to add any new tax to California it required a two-thirds majority in both state legislature, <laughs> in both chambers of the state legislature. Basically, it starved California from its tax base, which is why California, despite being so rich and despite being so big, basically can't hire any firefighters to fight the fire to fight the fires, and they need to hire prisoners and pay them a dollar an hour. You know, like literally like slave prison labor to fight the fires because they they are incapable of raising new revenues through new tax when things are needed. And one of the most grotesque loopholes in this Prop 13 was this thing on commercial properties. You know, it's the same thing. Like you, 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 you pay taxes on the purchase price, no matter how much it, it increased in value. Um, and uh, so companies like Disney and, you know, large commercial property owners in California are getting away with like billions of dollars of unpaid tax because they're paying taxes on absurdly low values for their properties. So this tax, this new tax, this prop would bring in something like $12 billion a year to the California 
uh, state budget, which would go to pay for things like schools, which are you know falling apart. It would go to pay for roads, which in California, if you've ever driven in, like I just drove from Colorado to California, and it's like you leave Utah, and as soon as you cross state lines into California, the road is just like a piece <laughs> of shit. Um, and, uh, and you know, pay for teachers, firefighters, like all the public services that California desperately needs, especially in a time when because of the coronavirus, incomes are going to collapse. Therefore, state revenues are people are collapse. out of work, and so the yeah. revenues are out of work. Exactly. Yep. So, if you don't want to go into a negative spiral of like where the state budgets go down, therefore they have to fire more teachers, more public workers, you know, further dampening the uh, the economic down spiral. You ask the richest people in the world, namely large corporations in California, to fill the hole, and it's one of the most downwardly re redistributive uh, policy proposals that has an actual chance of passing in America in recent years. Like most of the policies <laughs> that pass in America redistribute resources upwards, at least in recent times. Like like Trump's unprecedented tax cut. Exactly. Like trillions that of dollars. That didn't cut my taxes no. <laughs> at all, right? That didn't cut your taxes listening to this. It cut the taxes of the absolute like the people who needed their taxes cut the absolute least and as we always need to remind you those people do not trickle down those tax cuts on us they hoard it period that money is gone forever forever and that's generally the way american tax law goes they usually get the breaks. We usually get fucked. And it's important because so many of us have had conversations with our own friends and they talk about, oh, I'm paying so much in taxes. You don't think we should get taxed more. When they hear tax hikes, they literally think that the taxes are coming for them under a progress, an actual progressive tax policy. No, it wouldn't be us. We're yeah. paying as much as we do because those people pay nothing. It's not that hard to understand. It's not because the guy at fucking McDonald's isn't paying enough taxes, people. Like, first of all, even if they were, that would pale in comparison to what the people at the very tippy tippy top pay. This yeah. isn't, I don't know why this well, is hard for people. Well, to and not just that, but the, the, the things that you get in return would be much better. I mean, Americans hate taxes because their taxes go to fight. Uh, fund wars, wars and these like out of control yeah. police departments and like it's like wait what you know so Americans <laughs> like, hate taxes because like they don't see any benefit to their life from the taxes like in Europe your taxes go to fund like amazing healthcare that's free you know like amazing <laughs> public transportation it goes to fund all kinds of social like unemployment benefits if you lose your job you get really generous unemployment benefits for a long time you know they go to fund things that you need child care allowances and you know free public daycare like all kinds of things that you depend on to live your life so you see like where your tax money goes and it comes back to you in your life in some way in america the vast majority of our taxes go to like fund the military and like other bullshit that we don't want so um you don't they don't see we don't see the benefit of, of of a lot of our taxes as americans even though like there are important benefits that still even in our decrepit state um still still happen but what's interesting about the for prop 15 is that the weaponization of minorities is uh is in full display the cynical <laughs> use of black and brown people to fight against uh, a, a law that would um primarily target the rich and and help the poor tremendously 
um, is just absolutely disgusting. You know, the, the two biggest campaigners against Prop 15, like Prop 15 was endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America, endorsed by the California Federation of Teachers. Um, and the people fighting against it are the NAACP and Antonio Villarraigosa, the former Mexican-American mayor of Los Angeles, um, who are just bought and paid for by the corporate class. 100%. They are puppets for the corporate class fighting against a law that would help millions of working class Californians and uh, for the benefit of like Disney and, uh, you know, and you know what they're always companies. they're always going to do, right? This is going to squeeze the small business yeah. owner because nobody's more important in America than the small business owner, the small entrepreneur would be uber capitalist if they could. Yeah. Nobody is more noble and deserving of love than the small business owner. <laughs> it's like everybody's always sucking the dick of the proverbial small business owner. It's just hilarious as if that's like some huge um, classification of people, bro. Yeah. Like it's insane. Yeah. No, and it's... Um Again, it's just, you know, the small business owners like are basically exempt from this law. Like they for the specific like just because of that specific reason, they 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 put the uh, the floor for the property values at three million dollars. So like if you if your property value is under three million dollars, you, you're exempt from this new tax hike. Um, so it really like 92 percent of of the new revenues that would come in um, come from like 10 corp corporations, you know, Um so the vast majority is like 99.999% of small businesses are exempt. Like it's just pure propaganda and lies. Um, yeah. And it's disgusting really. Like it's, it's, it really shows like how the neoliberal identity politics is just so disastrous, you know, because you put black and brown faces up there, even from venerable institutions like the National Association for the Advancement of Color People, which was like a venerable institution, which has been thoroughly co-opted by yeah. the money class. It gets crazy. They, they were like, we're not going to fight these guys. We're just going to buy them off. You know? That's it. And again, this is this is your Democratic Party neoliberalism at oh, yeah. work. These right? are all Democrats. It, like pure Democrats. It's like once we have a black person on board, a Hispanic person, or, you know, as much as is proportionate to the population on board with something, it doesn't matter how it actually affects the rank and file people of that community. Like, it, th that doesn't matter. We don't yeah. care what it would do for people in Watts. We don't care what it would do for people in South Central. It, that, that doesn't matter. We have a, a couple of fancy Negroes on board, so it's cool. Let's keep it pushing. Yeah. And, that's, and that's always the play. And that's why, you know, again, I, I, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend who, has, who happens to be related to a, you know, a slew of, Republicans, right? Yeah. Um, and she just can't, for the life of her, understand why they would support shit like that. And I'm like, look, um, there's certain things about how people want to self-identify as winners, achievers. Um, you know, they're being fed this idea that the Dems just want to take your shit away. They want to denigrate your accomplishments. They want to tell you you don't deserve it. They want to. They want you to pity the losers and idiots who didn't get shit done, who didn't achieve a vacation house, who didn't, you know, achieve a, a great job, blah, 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 right? And so all of that other stuff is ancillary. They like feeling like people who win. And right next to that, what they're being sold is the hypocrisy and the phoniness of the other side. And yes, 
Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are jokers. Yes, they're phony. Yes, they're fucking liars. Yes, they're hypocrites. Yes, they're pieces of shit. There's no, I'm not denying that, but I'm telling you, corporate Dems are fucking phonies and liars too. There's a truth to what Limbaugh can sell to these people. Yeah. There's just a truth to it. Like, and there's, there's, there's no denying it. And I'm not telling you you need to go to sleep feeling bad about being somebody who votes for Democrats, but there's a truth to what they lob at them on the other side, like the phoniness of identity politics and neoliberalism. Like, it's bullshit. There's a truth to what they're saying. I'm not yeah. saying that it's better to be Republican. I'm just telling you the yeah. reason why that their message is so effective is that there's an essential truth to it. Yeah. Always remember that. <laughs> Always remember that the person shilling for Prop um, 15 also works at the NAACP. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And just know that they're directly advocating for shit that is going to personally fuck black people in yeah. Los Angeles. Period. Yeah. Like, this is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, so we anyway. move on. We move on to the stimulus package. Um, again, I was surprised that Trump put out a number of 1.8 trillion. Yeah. I think, I think that was pretty good strategy because that just seems like a bonkers number, right? Um, it's like, yo, look at all the shit I'm willing to do. Um, you know, the Dems, Pelosi, and them, they they counted with. I think 2.6 was the number they counted with. Uh, and you know, Trump did his hissy fit on Twitter as we documented here. I think last week it was. Uh, but yeah, this this is what Trump is trying to put on the table. Of course, I don't think this is something that Pelosi's not willing to sign, um, willing to pass in the House. I uh, think it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think it doubts. is. I have my doubts. sure, and and those doubts are, are warranted. Uh, but as Nando sort of, you know, brought to my attention early in the show, he's just. It doesn't feel like something Nick, Mitch McConnell wants to do or has any incentive to do, right? Trump is doing this to shore up his support going into the election, which is about three weeks away. Uh, and he knows one of the ways to do it is to be like, look at what I'm doing for everybody. And to directly, and it's something we talk about all the time, to directly affect people's lives. That damn $600 um, uninsurance benefit directly affected people's lives and people absolutely loved it and everybody knows this yeah. you know the corporate class knows this they know that it was like shit i was paying that joker 500 a week to slave over here and the government went and gave him 1100 to chill that's not good we don't like that we want to yeah. keep we don't want to up their pay to say yo why don't we start paying motherfuckers 800 no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> that's that's not how they think. It's not like, yo, nah, like, man, yo, we should, people were so happy. People were, you know, their lives were enriched. They they found ways and time and means to do so many different things, killing, like making their diets better and this and that. Um, And it's not like, damn, we could probably afford to give them 800. Let's do that. It's like, no, what the fuck, McConnell, man? Stop that shit, man. Get these people back here so we can start paying them 400. You know, and that's sort of the attitude of that class of people. But, you know, and that was a digression, but I'm just saying yeah. Trump understands that people like this shit. Yeah. They like the stimulus. Everybody liked 
what the stimulus did for people. They like that $1,200. They like the freaking $1,100 a week in unemployment. Um, and he, like, he, he, if anything, Trump understands transactional relationships. It's, if, it's the only thing he understands yeah. realistically. And so that's why he's publicly stumping for this thing. Um, and, you know, the, the problem with this, of course, the problem with everything is Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I mean, I think to to rewind a little bit, like a stimulus package means basically the government just pumps money into the economy, like puts money in people's hands in different ways, sometimes direct cash transfers uh, through investments, through public works, basically putting money into the economy to jumpstart it when it goes down, right? So Obama, if you guys remember, passed a stimulus package in 2009 in the wake of the financial crisis because the economy collapsed. So they needed like a, it's like paddles in the patient movies, like in the doctor movies, you put paddles on the patient to restart it. Um, and the Obama stimulus package for context was 800 billion. And it was seen at the time as this gargantuan thing, even though kind of liberal and left-wing economists thought at the time that it was way too low. It was way too small given how bad the economy was. But Obama passed $800 billion. Now Trump is putting on the table $1.8 trillion. Like it's a trillion dollars more, um, which which would be significant. I mean, it's, it's probably not as much as the economy needs right now because we're in an unprecedented economic, like basically seizure. It just stopped. Um, but... 1.8 trillion is significant. And Trump is desperate because he sees the polls like everyone else and he's way behind. And he thinks that like this is like a Hail Mary attempt to get something signed and then campaign on it. Look, I got you the 1.8 trillion dollar stimulus. And fair enough. You know, it probably would help him politically a little bit. You know, uh, it's true that the stimulus p package won't get into play, like won't even get doled out until after the election because it takes time to mobilize that kind of uh, resources and things like that. So it wouldn't and, and pass the law and all that stuff. So it probably wouldn't happen until after the election, but he could at least run on it and maybe it might help him politically a few points. Um, Pelosi is deciding whether she takes the deal or not. If she takes the deal and she passes it in the House and then it goes to the Senate and then Mitch McConnell has to decide what to do with it. But you know, with Trump pushing it, and Trump is such a popular figure figure in the Republican Party and Republican Party voters, that some senators might break with McConnell. McConnell clearly doesn't want to pass it. I think McConnell assumes Trump is going to lose and doesn't want to give a $1.8 trillion stimulus to a new Joe Biden presidency, right? It's like basically Joe Biden's coming into the presidency with $1.8 trillion to back, play with. Yeah, to, right, to just make voters happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be like, you, get, you get some money, you get some money, you get some money, you know? Uh, and, and McConnell doesn't want to it's hand like him that. It's like me at a strip club, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> but with the House passing the deal, passing the bill, and the president supporting it, it is conceivable that certain Republican senators on shaky grounds might might go with Trump. I mean, they're, they're scared of Trump you know, in some way. Like, um, So it'll, it would be an interesting battle. It might pass or it might not pass. But the point is that the American economy and the American people desperately need help, desperately need something to pass. And where I think Pelosi is wrong is that if they don't pass anything now before the election and Biden wins, it's unlikely the Democrats are going to be able to pass Nothing. anything. You know, nothing, um, nothing unless happening. they take the Senate and uh, abolish the filibuster. Because other than that, there is no way that Mitch McConnell is going to give 
a Joe Biden presidency, uh, all this money. Two trillion dollars. Yeah, no, no way. No way. No chance. So I think Pelosi should take the deal, uh, to be honest. Like that's my that's my view. And dare McConnell to pass it and dare Republican senators to go against Trump. Republican senators are very scared to go against Trump, you know, for understandable reasons. People love Trump. Like the Republicans love Trump. Bruh, and again, so. his ability to get people to feel differently about things. Like it's very easy to imagine a scenario where somebody else tries to pass stimulus and people call it welfare and then a weird, uh, quote unquote, popular uprising um, happens and we start calling it by names of stuff that happened in the 1700s. It's easy to imagine because it fucking happened, right? Yeah. It was called the Tea Party. There was all of these fucking deficit hawks. Mind you, again, and and I want people to and 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 I and I know sometimes we beat people over the head with themes on this show, but like I want you to ask yourself the last time you heard somebody a Republican mention the deficit, the last time you heard somebody referred to as a quote unquote Tea Party Republican deficit hawk, yada yada yada. Paul Ryan got fucking he got famous on the back of that shit. Yeah, right. They do not talk about it anymore because it never mattered. Nobody yeah. actually ever cared about it. But trust me, the second it's not Republicans in that seat, you're going to be hearing this deficit bullshit all over again. Like, dude, like just rem for eight years, all we heard about was the deficit was coming to rape me in my sleep. Yeah. And it never comes up anymore, anywhere. And again, corporate Dems and the like, they would they love to pay it lip service because they know that it's a way to, you know, sort of get people to think that they need to, um, you know, sort of cut back and be austere when it comes to social services. Right? Like, never military, duh. Austerity never applies to the military somehow. I don't know how no, yeah, or yeah. why. It, it never applies to that um, that spending. But, you know, again, like, just think about it. You have not heard the word deficit anywhere, anywhere yeah. Yeah. in our public discourse for three and a half years. Yeah. That's not a coincidence, right? And so, you know, it's just, it's just a fucking shame. I hope Pelosi does it. Um... At, like Nando just just mentioned, because Trump's ability to get his base to change their minds about things like I, I remember, I remember when Sarah Palin was talking about somebody's going to be tough on Putin and she could see Russia from her yard and all of this shit. And Russia was a fucking boogeyman. I remember that. Yeah. Now, if you talk to a Trump voter, Russia's like, great. What are you talking about? This is wrong with Russia. The Dems are scaring you up about Russia. What is this, the Red Scare? Yada, 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 right? Like China, forget like, they, they, they waffle on China damn near every single day. It's like whatever Trump is about, they're about, period. So if Trump is like, I'm about this stimulus, they will be about it. And I don't think McConnell has the fucking nuts to, um, oh, but maybe McConnell does. But as Nando highlighted, I don't know that all Republicans have the nuts to stand yeah. up against Trump's wishes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it should be the biggest story in the country right now, but it's like it's not but uh um it really should be because it's it could be consequential for millions of you know for all of americans really i mean it's it's the economy desperately needs a stimulus definitely it's a huge one um and this one would be huge so yeah all right that's our show today um for today of course 
Make sure you're a Patreon of Count the Dings at patreon.com backslash down to count the dings. Excuse me. Uh, of course, be listening to Less Potted Out Nando's hilarious Entourage Recap Pod. Make sure you subscribe to Cinephobe and the Friday Mailbag and everything that we have to offer. Listening to Wednesday Service with Naima and Curran. You know, Crazy Sexy Cool, which we just added to the feed with Bethany and the crew. Growing up the same with Black Trey. Uh, and, and just make sure you, you, you're tuning into all the offerings we have here at Count the Dings. Shout out to my man Rob Lopez on the ones and threes. At all, as always, Fernando Vila, I'm Big Waz. We out of here. Later. Peace.